G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Quality above all. It should be our desire. Not just quantity, not just getting by or slipshod, but high quality. In today's program, we're going to see that this applies to ministry as to anything else. Our series is entitled Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary. We're going to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 22 to 27, where the Apostle Paul is forced to have to explain his ministry and the price that he paid to serve Jesus. It's great that he paid the price because the legacy has paid dividends for 2,000 years. Not only he helped to establish the church in Europe, the mother continent of Christendom, so to speak, but also he wrote half of the New Testament, which continues to bless people and always will. Here we're going to see in this passage that Paul is the real deal. He's not a false apostle. He's not a self-promoting megalomaniac. He's not somebody who is just doing it for the money. He is genuine as can be. As I've discussed before, if you want to turf out the counterfeit currency from the real, become very familiar with the genuine. And this is what's happening here. We're going to see what a true apostle, a true servant of God, whether it's apostolic or pastoral or evangelistic or what have you, what they do for the sake of Christ versus those who are wannabes or they are false. So what we have in this passage here, and let me read just a little bit from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. He says this, are they, meaning the false apostles, Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. What we're going to see here, first of all, is Paul had a very special pedigree. He is an Israelite. He is a Hebrew of Hebrews. He is from the tribe of Benjamin and can trace his lineage from his day all the way back to the founding father of the Hebrew race, namely Abraham. Then the false apostles are saying they are ministers of Christ. And Paul says, well, if they think they're ministers, I'm even more. And I've had to put up with things that they couldn't even endure for a fraction of the time. He speaks of things like more work, more stripes, meaning he was beat, in prisons. He was in prison on several occasions. He has faced death often, 
and he did so without flinching. And it goes on to say, he received the 39 lashes. Now, this is something that the ancient Jews did, because it tells us that you're only allowed 40 lashes, and that's uh, to keep from despising your brother. Deuteronomy 25.3, 40 lashes. Well, they take away one, it's 39, just to make sure you don't step over the mark. So, Paul put up with a lot and suffered much for the sake of the gospel, which, of course, was prophesied by Jesus himself. And then he goes on to talk about three times he was beaten with rods. He was once stoned, which we think happened in Lystra. He was for one night and one day in the deep. Now, whether he was in the ocean or in a dungeon, we're not sure, probably more likely in the ocean. And listen to this. This man has faced perils that most people would know nothing about and deprivation that, again, few people would know anything about. Why did he go through all this? He did it for the sake of the great reward. Read it in Philippians 3. He presses toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's verse 14 of that chapter. Friends, Paul was the real deal because he didn't do it for money or acclaim. He did the apostolic ministry for the kingdom. When you have a kingdom-first mindset, your reward, like Paul's, will be great. We're going to now read the entire passage of 2 Corinthians 11, verses 22 to 27. Again, that's 2 Corinthians 11, 22 to 27. Paul comparing himself to the false apostles. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. We've been reading 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 22 to 27. Our lesson is called Paul the Apostle, the real deal. He is as genuine and as sterling as they come. And now beginning with verse 22, we're going to look at this at more detail. Verse 22 of 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is discussing his pedigree because he says, now is the time for boasting. And in his normal rhetorical fashion, Paul asked the Corinthians to measure up the imposters that they have beholden to by his own sterling credentials. Are these false apostles Hebrews? Do they not only have Hebrew blood flowing in their veins, but do they speak the sacred language, the language of the prophets, the language of the Old Testament? And do they fit this criteria? Because he certainly does, for sure. He asked the question, are they Israelites? Are they descended from Abraham via Jacob rather than via Esau, via Isaac rather than Ishmael? Are they of the seed of Abraham? Were they circumcised on the eighth day? Were they from an Israelite father and mother as he was? Can they trace their lineage as Paul can all the way back to the beginning? 
to Jacob, to Isaac, and to Abraham himself? These are fair questions, because after all, they're going to be trying to impose legalism on the Corinthians. They need to know that these guys really are fake, even though they feign to be from the house of Israel. Then we go to verse 23. And verse 23 says, Are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And he goes on to talk about the labors, the stripes, the imprisonment, and the deaths. So can these imposter ministers who say they're serving Jesus, how do they measure up with Paul? There is a phrase used to Timothy to make full proof of your ministry. This is an important phrase, not always well understood, but everyone who serves God needs to make full proof. First of all, they need to respond to the call of God to begin with. Then they need to fine-tune the giftings that God has given them, and then they need to deploy those gifts. Whatever those gifts may be, whether it's in admin and helps, whether it's in evangelism or teaching, apostolic ministry, pastoral ministry, whatever the gifting is, Put it to work, because the more you use your gifting, the more you'll grow in that gifting. And if you persist in the gifting faithfully and learn the lessons, then you will bear fruit for God. I believe all this is what we constitute making full proof of the ministry. And don't go by what people tell you. Go by the fruit of their lives. Anybody can spin a yarn and give the most impressive resume, but they may not actually measure up to even their own requirements or description. So can these imposters even begin to compare with Paul the Apostle, who paid such a high price to serve God? He worked harder than they could ever imagine. He suffered stripes and beatings, like in Acts 16, 22 and 23. He visited prison frequently. This is on Acts 21 and Acts uh, 28, let alone what happened in 2 Timothy, where he never left prison. He faced death more than they ever would or that they ever could. He looked death in the eyeball, but was utterly fearless because he knew that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And this is just the beginning. Then we learn about the 39 lashes. He says, I received from the Jews, or three times, beaten with rods, or actually five times from the Jews, he received the 40 stripes minus one. This is a Jewish style of punishment, and believe it or not, this is more humane than the Roman style of punishment. Because it was done with a whip, there was a limit put on how many times you could beat somebody, and it wasn't to kill them, but obviously it was to chase them, and certainly not even to humiliate them beyond measure, that they be despised in one's own eyes. The Roman form of punishment was something like the cat of nine tails. At the end of the leather straps. There could be broken glass, jagged rocks, and even metals guaranteed to break bones and rip skin from the body. And the Romans did not apparently have a limitation of how many stripes they could lay on the back of the prisoner. Now, it was the cat of nine tails, more likely, that Jesus of Nazareth faced when he was imprisoned or in captivity to Pontius Pilate. Whereas, in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, we believe that the apostles received the Jewish-style scourging, 39 lashes. Where do they get this from? 
Deuteronomy 25 verse 3 says that you may not hit anyone more than 40 times, but in feigning mercy, the rabbi said, subtract one stripe from the 40 and you'll have 39. This is spoken of by Josephus Flavius in his book of Antiquities. It's also spoken in the Mishnah and it is mentioned elsewhere as well. They all talk about the 39 lashes. Now, you would think that Paul was some heinous criminal to have suffered this punishment five times. This shows how vehement the opposition of the Jewish elite had in Paul's day towards the preaching of the gospel. Not everyone, of course, responded that way. There were those that actually said yes to the gospel. We learn in the book of Acts, I believe chapter 6, that many priests became obedient to the faith. So there were exceptions. But then in 2 Corinthians 11.25, Paul gives a catalog of even more sufferings. He says three times he was beaten with rods, once he was stoned, three times he was shipwrecked, a night and the day he had been in the deep. So all of this is pretty self-explanatory. The Romans allowed the beak beating by rods like in Acts 16.22 in Philippi. We know that he was once stoned, and this happened in Acts 14, verse 19, in the place called Lystra, or Lystra, in the center part of Asia Minor. It says he spent one day and one night in the deep. And I do believe it has to do with shipwrecks, not dungeons, because that's the clause that's used prior to this phrase, one day and one night in the deep. But a very challenging ministry. Never a dull moment. Now, obviously, he didn't live this way every single day on a knife's edge, but Paul was a pretty strong man. Remember, nobody is tempted beyond what they can endure. God makes a way of escape. We learn that, I believe, in 1 Corinthians. So, when people go through such a heavy pummeling like Paul did, it does speak about their inner resolve. And remember that Paul was a very, very tough man, almost like the suffering marinated him to bring some softness and pliability that he'd be this new wineskin to contain the new wine. And also, in a sense, and I'm only saying this, not necessarily of the Lord, but Paul was probably reaping a bit of what he sowed, because as a sinner, he sowed a lot of pain and suffering on the early church. He was forgiven, but the seeds were sown, and God used all that for his glory. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 11.26, all I can say is, what a man. Listen to this. He talks about, in journeys, he did often. He lived in perils of the waters, of robbers, of his own countrymen, meaning the Jewish people, of the Gentiles, I mean everybody, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, by false brethren. Oh man, you're already exhausted hearing all this. Paul basically clocked up more frequent flyer points than any of these phonies. He was constantly facing danger, whether he was crossing waters, which probably means rivers, occasionally maybe the Mediterranean itself. There were always dangers from robbers, though Paul didn't have a whole lot of money on him, so he wasn't the biggest fish to be caught. He faced perils from the Jewish people, which are his people, by the way, even though he talks about them in the third person. He is as Jewish as any of the rabbis, any of the Pharisees, any of the Sadducees. And frankly, he never stopped being Jewish. And I don't even think he stopped being a Pharisee after he repented and came to Messiah. After all, he says it in Acts 23, 6, I am a Pharisee not I was. He faced Gentile problems because they, they could dish out suffering too, perils in the city, which brings to mind the riot at Ephesus, or in Damascus he was in peril, or most of all in Jerusalem, 
where he definitely was in peril. But he was also in peril in the wilderness, from the cold, the wild animals, the bandits, the lack of supplies. He was in peril in the sea, which brings to mind the journey to Rome and the shipwreck that we read in Acts chapter 27. Paul's brethren were probably the greatest peril of all. Our final verse is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. He says, In weariness and toll, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst and fasting and cold and nakedness. Are you ready to give up here, friends? Well, Paul didn't. Paul speaks of this weariness, painfulness, sleeplessness, hunger, fasting, and so on. Having lived a life of education and elitism, the sufferings of Paul stood in stark contrast to his former lifestyle. Only an ironclad conviction that the gospel of Christ, which is the power and the wisdom of God, was worth these sufferings helped him to keep on going. And let's never forget, friends, we don't do ministry on our own. We do it in partnership with others, but most of all, in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Without that, we just, we would nev never make it. Now, our lesson is called Paul is the Real Deal. And our lesson for life, the sufferings of Paul, which were predicted in Acts 9.16, show that he was a genuine apostle, because true gold and diamonds will withstand any fire. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter, helping prepare you to be future ready with articles from scripture, victorious Christian living, and current events in the light of God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Paul's example. It may be in many ways an extreme example, but shows us he's genuine, that he did it all for Christ. He has a great crown and he's an overcomer. He sets an example for us all. We thank you for this and praise you through Christ the Lord. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.